Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen and amen. If you have it, the book of Luke chapter 24. This is after the resurrection and we've been reading this verse for a few weeks now and it says this, he's talking to these two gentlemen that have been on this road to Emmaus. And it says this, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it, then he broke it, and then he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him being Jesus. And at that moment, he disappeared and he was gone. Now, let's read from the book of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has spent some time and he's been telling his disciples and been telling the crowd a whole bunch of parables on what the kingdom of God is like. And he just finished telling one about a farmer who has planted some seed and to which the disciples come up to him in verse 10 and says this. The disciples came and they asked him, why, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied this, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. And this is why I use parables. For they look, but they didn't really see. They hear, but they didn't really listen or understand. And to which Jesus begins to talk some more, and he tells some more parables. He talks about mustard seeds, and he talks about yeast, and there's some more farmers and some more seeds. And then he says this in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered, and it's, it's hidden in a field, and his excitement, he did this. He hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven, it's like this. It's like a merchant who's on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered this one pearl that's of great value, what did he do? He sold everything he owned, and he went and he bought that pearl. He tells some more parables. There's another fishing net story. And then he asks this question, do you understand the things that I'm talking about? And to which this time the disciples say, yeah, yeah, we get it. Tell us some more. Tell us some more, Jesus. These parables, these stories, the question is asked, why do you use parables to teach? Why are you saying these things? Uh, uh, And if you look at the scriptures, you know, Jesus is constantly, he's a master storyteller, telling amazing, amazing stories. Sometimes the story is just two sentences long. The kingdom of, of heaven is like this, and somehow it just captures the imagination. And if you look at this kind of progression with the disciples on how Jesus tells stories, it starts off like this. Jesus says something, and to which the disciples say, Jesus, uh, we have no clue what you're talking about. Like, explain to us, what did you mean with a seed? What did you mean with a farmer? Tell, tell, let's make sure. And then, and then later on, there's this kind of interaction where the disciples, again, Jesus, we're, we're kind of, we think we understand. Uh, we get it, we want to make sure that we're getting the point of everything you're, you're telling us. So we think we know, but we know that you know that we might not know 
So help us make sure that we know that we know that what you know that we know that should we know. Why? And then later on, Jesus is very clear. But do you understand? Yeah, we get it. You see the progression. Like, oh, oh, the understanding is being, uh, it's coming to them. And to which the question is posed. And even in Jesus' answer to why he uses parables, he kind of gives us a parable. Having eyes to see uh, and yet not seeing, ears and yet not listening, can't understand. And it's like, are, are you understanding this, these parables, what they mean? It's kind of like coming to church sometimes. Oh, that was really good. What did the pastor talk about? I have no idea. Uh, there was a treasure in a field, something about some pearls. It was good, though. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, or you're sitting on the couch with your spouse, and she's talking. I don't know what you just said for the last 30 minutes. I, I had ears, but I ain't hear nothing, girl. If we ain't making eye contact, assume I didn't hear you, you know? All of these things, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know that moment. And Jesus explains, and he says this, and he says, like, listen, but those who have eyes to see, listen, if you keep listening, if you keep looking, if you keep walking along this road, more understanding will be given to you. He's saying this, like, this is a process. And if you have eyes to see, if you have ears to hear, if you just stick with it, your understanding will grow. Your understanding will grow. And we see that in the disciples. But then there's also this staunch warning of just like, but listen, you could have eyes, you could have ears, but if you're not listening, if you're not, if you're not continuing with this journey, what little understanding you have will be taken away from you. More understanding given, understanding taken away. And then we read here, like, there's this idea of being chosen and blessed and broken and given, and this process and the answers are found in the journey. There's a lot to learn. I love how the message puts it like this in this particular passage. It says, and when I tell these stories, what it does is it creates a readiness in your soul. So as Jesus is saying, like, as I tell you these parables, part of what the parables are doing is they're intended to draw you in, to create readiness in your soul for the long walks, the journeys, the long obedience in the same direction. But be careful, just because you're looking, just because you're listening, just because you showed up on Sunday morning doesn't mean you understood He's like, there's, there's this warning. In other words, just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're getting wiser. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Just because you're putting some years on this thing, you know, some more gray doesn't mean you're getting any smarter. But have eyes to see, have ears to hear. All right, um, hold on to that. We're gonna get back to it. I want to do a few things this morning. It may seem like it's from left field, but it will come back together, so hold with me. Um, as a church, I wanna make sure, part of my job is to make sure that we have clarity of our vision and our purpose, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And uh, I was actually talking to this organization a few weeks ago and uh, helping them with their vision and their mission and making sure that there was a, a connect between uh, what you're doing and what you're saying you want to accomplish and the values that back that up. And, and I, I was like, man, I, just, I need to take some time for that too. And this was just the perfect sermon. Uh, so our purpose here at Coastal is to be a people fully alive in Christ. Come on, somebody. Does that sound like a pretty good 
be fully alive in Christ. And we do that by reaching people far from Christ, helping you discover your purpose in Christ, and engaging with Jesus is already doing. Now, our core values, three of the core values, and we just, we've had these since day one of the church, is this. Number one, everything that we do is as unto the Lord. Everything is for Jesus. Number two, everything with lifelong discipleship. To, to be growing and to be learning, to, to give everything we can to, to the next generation, to someone else walking beside us. And then finally, with extraordinary faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we want to be people that are taking steps of faith, believing God is with us on this journey. And, and the question may be asked, well, what do those things have to do, those values have to do with reaching people far from Christ, discovering your purpose? Well, here's the thing. We believe that every person, every single person is created with a purpose. That you're created in the image of God and he doesn't make any mistakes. And that the end being for all man is to glorify God. Your end being for every single one of us is to give glory to God. And so what does that mean? It means we reach people that are far from Christ, not for our sake, but for his sake. We go out and we spend our lives to, to reach people for Jesus because we can't save anybody. Only Jesus can do that. It's by him and for him and to him all things consist. And so we're doing this as unto the Lord. And we do this not so people can just escape hell. We do this not so people can just live a little bit better life, have a little bit more comfortable journey. No, we do this because we believe that God is worthy of the glory due him. And so I, I want to reach people that are far, far from Jesus, not so you can just have a little bit more comfortable ride along the way. No, it's because, man, he is worthy of it all that we just sang about. Come on. For his glory as unto the Lord. It is for God. This sermon, I hope it blesses you, but that's secondary. Primary is this is for Jesus. Jesus, I came here because I want to bless your name. I, I want to honor you. I want to honor your word. Uh, every, every cup of coffee that's served, I hope you enjoyed the coffee and somebody got here early and the donuts and something with your kids. All of that's wonderful, but it's secondary. We're serving that coffee as if we're serving Jesus. Where somebody got up early and got them donuts. Why? Not just for you so you could have a donut. No, for Jesus. As unto the Lord. Discovering our purpose. Lifelong discipleship. See, we think that this, this idea, this kingdom, it's like a seed that grows. It's a process. It's a road that we're on, and this road is called discipleship. It's, it's a seed that's been planted, and as it grows, it is, and yet it's becoming. It's an oak tree, and it's small, and it's bigger, and it, and it becomes this big, mighty oak. It's a process that is and is becoming. And we're doing this, why? For his glory. And it all culminates. Again, it's not so you could be a better person, have a happier life, have a little bit better marriage. These are all byproducts of knowing Jesus. The prime product is that this is a lifelong process of discovering who he is. And it culminates in a day where we will stand before him and fully know him just as we are fully known. So what does that mean, even as we read this, that you should have a fire for Jesus the longer you walk with him? that I believe the more and more you discover 
who you are in Christ, the more of a discovery who he is and his greatness should lead us to a passion for him that doesn't diminish as life goes on, but only gets hotter and hotter. Oh, Jesus, just the more that I realize of you and your word and how glorious you are, man, just, just, I just repent. <laughs> I repent. I fall on my face, and I'm a man of unclean lips. And just to, if you see this progress in the Bible, the, the more and the closer people, men and women, get to Jesus, it's just like, oh, you are holy. I, I thought I knew your holiness, but as I get to know you, oh, way holier than I ever thought. All of this in process, this discovery, this treasure, this field. And lastly, engaging with God in faith of what he is doing. Faith to follow Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is going to lead you in places you don't want to go. And the only way you're going to keep following Jesus is in faith. Because Jesus is going to call you out on some water. He's going to call you into places that you're, you think, oh, if we do this, we're going to sink. Not if Jesus is with you. Jesus, this whole journey is a journey of faith. It, it's a journey of I'm no longer going to lean on my understanding. Jesus, that math doesn't add up. Jesus, what about this? Jesus, I'm not skilled enough. Jesus, I'm not smart enough. Yep. Man, it's, it's faith, God, that you can do everything and that we would sell everything to follow him. It takes leaving everything because we have found this great treasure and we're burning all the ships. Because Jesus, you are worth it. Completely sold out in faith of the one who created us. And without this faith, I would submit that we would live our lives and stay back and we could spend day in and day out and fish safely from the boat that we've grown up on, that you're comfortable with, that you know how it works. And the choice is easy. We could follow Jesus, or, or, we, or we, could, we could say, oh yeah, no, I believe in Jesus, but I'm gonna stay right here. I'm not gonna sell everything. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep everything. I'm just, th this is good. And you'll, you'll live safely and miserably from the comfort of your known boat. It's a journey of faith. It's a process, and to be a Christian means to come and to die. And here's the thing, you're the bait. Like, you're the bait. Peter, hey, I'm gonna teach you no longer how to just fish for fish, I'm gonna teach you how to be a fisher for men. You know what that means, Peter? You're the bait. You know what happens to the bait? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. This is, it takes faith to get up on that hook. It takes faith that, okay, God, my life, is going to be in your hands to see you work in me and through me. It's this process all for your glory. So give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear, to understand. Let's make sure that this vision and our values and what we do and what we say and how we live match up into this gospel message. And when we do that, I believe we'll find that there's been a treasure in this field all along, that we've been standing. Oh man, here's the thing though, it's hidden. It's there, and here's the thing about it. It's hidden in plain sight. It's right there, and that's the beauty of this discovery process of Jesus, of like, surely God, you were in this place and I didn't even know it. It was right there, I, I, I was right here and there was this treasure, all of these things, 
And when we find it, we sell everything to follow Jesus. And when we find it, all of a sudden, we start, like these two men on the road to amaze, we start seeing the face of Jesus in the face of strangers, of men and women, and our hearts begin to burn within us. And we see Jesus in the face of people at dinner parties and along the highways and the byways and in the faces of the poor and the broken and the hurting because our treasure is now found in him because he is the pearl of great price. And this, my friends, is the kingdom of God. So it leaves us with this problem. And the problem is this, why? Why? Why, if this is the case and everything connects so easy, why do we keep finding ourselves wandering aimlessly through life? Why is it that like life just keeps passing us by? It's just another day. It's just another year. It's the same old, same old. We just, oftentimes we feel like we just lack purpose. When, when it's uh, the irony of because purpose is inherent to us, how we were created. And how can we be given into this world? How can we be, I mean, the spirit of the living God living inside of us, given to this world, and yet we lack so much power. Why? the Holy Spirit in us, and yet there's times, if we were honest, I just don't feel it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't feel it, kind of like the disciples. I'm not sure. And then other days, well, maybe, I think, I think I know. I think I know that you know that you're in here, and maybe you're, and then other, yeah, oh, today was good. There's this, there's this process. Sometimes I don't feel blessed, don't feel chosen, don't feel useful, don't feel given. And we spent the last few weeks kind of reframing these things where we said, listen, chosen isn't about you and who you are. Chosen is about who he is. And so you're chosen because of who he is and you're blessed. It isn't just blessed when everything goes right. You're blessed in everything and in all circumstances. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And, and this brokenness, this brokenness isn't this unwanted and discard. Rather, this brokenness that God provides is a putting back together and a fixing to how you were originally created. And then today, this, this givenness, this, this isn't supposed to be this useless wandering into the world and random chance and things just happen. No, no, I would submit that this givenness is the ultimate act of love. The ultimate act of love. It's the glory of God taking full circle and coming back to him. It's the glory of God taking full circle and coming back to him. It's our lives being poured out by him, for him, and ultimately coming back to him. This is the giving that he has. Imagine with me like this. Imagine as if God was to look down into all of creation and all of humanity. And what does he see? What he begins to see is his sons and his daughters and as they come to him, all of a sudden, they start to look like him and talk like him and do the things that he did. And all of a sudden, life is a reflection back of himself to himself. And this is the glory of God. And this is how he chooses to use us to say, I've created you, my son and my daughter. And as you come into this and as you live into this kingdom life, you begin to reflect me in a way that ah, now it brings glory to myself. This is what we live for. This is the meaning and this is the purpose. Jonathan Edwards would say it like this. And this is the end of all things to which the world was created. To glorify God 
and enjoy him forever. And this is the meaning to which all things were created. Another person would put it like this, and this is the circle of life. This is, this, this is the coming together of all my glory poured out, now revealed back in me. This is the kingdom of God. This is the outworking, his glory reflected. It's a seed. It's a mustard seed that grows into a big tree, and birds lay its nest in its branches. It's here, and it's coming, and yet we struggle with it. But I went to church on Sunday, and Pastor explained it, so I'm all good now. Struggle, struggle, blessed. Bless me, broke, fixed. I'm ready to go and leave this place. And when we go, we go home to more laundry, right? I, I got, man, you know, I just feel like I'm ready to go change the world. But the biggest argument we have in the house is what's for dinner, right? We're going to do all these things. It's amazing. Bless, broken, fixed. We're going to change the world. We're gonna, we're, the only thing I'm changing is this flat tire, right? We're going to see people saved. The only thing I'm saving is 50 cent at food line with these coupons I got in my pocket, right? All, all of these things, this idea, this hope, and the struggle continues. Change, change, change. I'm just changing more diapers. Another dirty diaper. Come on, mom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Changing the world. We struggle. And I would submit there's a few reasons why we struggle with this. One is I think we do not understand the essence of a gift, the essence of this giving. See, the essence of a gift determines value, and how that value is perceived and received determines what we do with it. And we could base value on many different things, a few of which is we could base value on the effort of which something takes, the timing in which something is given, the meaning of what that thing is that's being given, the one whom gave it, amongst many other things. All of these things to perceive the value of a thing and the label that we put on it. Now, inside of my Bible, I have this right here. I know it's Mother's Day, but I have my Father's Day card. This was given to me many years ago by both of my girls. They, they double teamed and did this card together, and they decided that Dad was left-handed, so they did it the other way. And I don't know if you could see it, but it simply says, I love you, and this is a chocolate cookie that's half eating. And I've kept this with me. It stays in my Bible, and I love it. I love it. Why do I love it? Because I know the effort that a five-year-old put into this. I, I love the timing because it was Father's Day. I love the meaning of what it means to them and to me. And most of all, I love it because it's the one whom gave it. And here's the thing, though. If I took this and I keep this in my Bible for years, maybe one day I drop it, and you come along and you pick it up. The problem is it has no value to you. You don't care. You, you, you just take it and, well, oh, this is cute. Nice, throw it in the trash. Unless, unless you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And unless you slow down long enough to actually look at what's in front of you. And you realize, oh, this, this thing that I just picked up off of the ground, it's not trash. I could look at, at, at the, the way it was written and realize, oh, this was done by a little kid. I could look at the inside and realize, oh, today's not even Father's Day, so somebody held on to this for a long time. I, I could look at it and say, oh, oh, there's the names of his children. Oh, and this is to, oh, daddy. 
Well, I could realize real quick that there's some value in this thing, but it only comes if I have eyes to see, ears to hear. If I slow down long enough to see what's already right in front of me, and then all of a sudden the value becomes, oh no, I need to get this back to its owner. I need, I need to, to find out how to do this. Slow down. See, here's the problem. We dismiss gifts when we don't have a proper understanding of their value. We dismiss gifts when we don't have a proper understanding of their value. When we don't recognize that today is a gift from God, we will dismiss this day as just another day. Oh, it's just another Mother's Day. Oh, it's just another Sunday. Uh, if we, we don't recognize the absolute gift that it is, See, here's the thing. We have a tendency to devalue that which is repeated. Oh, I've gone to church this every Sunday. Well, this is another Mother's Day. We do that all the time. We do that every year. And so we begin to devalue. Well, it's mom's job. Mom cooks dinner every night. We begin to devalue our spouse because, well, she's there every night, and he's there every night. And we begin to devalue our kids, and we devalue our friends, and we devalue our relationships because, after all, they've just been there day in and day out until it doesn't, until it stops, until we lose it or it's taken from us or it's lost, until it's our last sunset. See, when it's your last sunset, and you know it's your last day on this earth, you don't care how pretty it is, you value that thing. Until, until you're holding your, the hand of your spouse that you know this is the last moment, this is the last conversation, and all of a sudden there's great value because this won't get repeated again. This is the end of it. See, we have this tendency to devalue that which, was, which is repeated. And we come to church Sunday after Sunday so often that we forget what we're here to do. That almighty God is in this place. That the King of kings and Lord of lords, we came here to worship him and give him glory do him. And we leave this place and say, I don't know, the band was a little bit off. I really didn't like the worship. It's not for you. It's not for you. It's for him. See, we begin to devalue these things because it's repeated. This isn't just another Sunday. This is not just another Mother's Day. It's not just another church service. The King of kings and Lord of lords is here in this place and dwells amongst us. It's not for you. See, this culture that says, no, no, no. Well, you're worthy of it all. You're, you, you, you deserve this. You deserve everything. You deserve, the, you deserve the new job. You deserve the new spouse. You deserve the new church. You deserve new friends. You deserve the new house. You de no, you don't. You do not. I do not. We don't, under we don't understand the essence of this gift, and we begin to undervalue it. The next thing is this. I think, I think we found this treasure and because we don't understand it, because we begin to devalue God, and if we devalue God, that just simply means we overvalue something else. Anytime you begin to devalue God, it simply means you're putting priorities in another area, and you're saying something else is more valuable than this pearl that I found. That's of great price. This life worth living, worth giving our very being for. Overvaluing something else. 
and begin to overvalue something because we don't understand the treasure in which we have. I heard a story not too long ago of this gentleman that was going through a hard time to the point where they were getting ready to foreclose on his house. Thing was rough, didn't have any money, and some of his kids came over and they were helping him. They were helping him box up stuff and move stuff. And as they were helping him move, they got underneath his bed, and underneath his bed was this baseball bat. And the little boy began to, or the, uh, the, the son began to look at the baseball bat and looked like, and all of a sudden his eyes got real big. Like, oh, dad, what, what is this that you have? And to which the father was just like, oh, that old bat, it's been around for, oh man, the last 40 years it's been sitting there. I've had it underneath that bed for I don't know how long. Dad, do you know what you have? Yeah, it's, a, it's an old bat. It's like, no, it's autographed by Babe Ruth. It's a million-dollar bat. Why is it a million-dollar bat? Because of the name that's on it. Because the name that's on it. And see, but he didn't know the value of that name. And so it just sat underneath that bed, a treasure hidden in a field day in and day out. Or maybe we found the treasure and maybe we even say that we understand the value, but we have not sold all to follow Jesus. We hold on things like there's this pearl of great price, but we have all of these other pearls, and I'm not willing to give these other 50 pearls away for just this one pearl. I want to hold on to it. I want to hold on to these things, hold on to this stuff. And it's not just things. I want to hold on to my pride. I want to hold on to my arrogance. I want to hold on to my unforgiveness. Because I would rather value this unforgiveness and what I think is due me than just forgive that person. Come on, somebody, it just got real. I, I, I would rather go to bed angry three feet from this woman than say I'm sorry. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to the fact that I'm right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold on. To, I'm not, I haven't sold. I mean, you don't realize the treasure that we have. I'd rather have this anger, this bitterness, than just forgive and say I'm sorry and sell all. Or maybe we're like Jonah. We'd rather buy a ticket for a ship that's sailing the opposite way of what God's called us to do than to step out in faith and do what he's told us to do. Or maybe like Judas, we'd rather have our 30 pieces of silver than see Jesus do things that we don't understand, like, oh, break a very valuable bottle of perfume. We could have used that money for something else. Because he didn't understand, hey, I'm gonna get mine. He didn't understand the value of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, ah, this woman gets it. She understands, poured out on my feet. And I've, I've learned this. The things that we tend to overvalue and the things that we're, we hold on to and we don't want to give up, every single time, you know what they bring, the outcome of it is? Worry and fear. And there's worry and fear because now we've got to control it. These things that we have to hold on to, we have to, we have to control it, and control is, a, is an illusion. You only think you have it. You do not. All of this, I've got to make this happen. I've got to make this work. I've got to do this because after all, this is underneath my control. And, and, and you'll see real quick how you value things 
And God said, like, you've got to sell all. If you, he even goes so far, like, if you don't even hate mother, brother, sister, like, you can't be my disciple. Leave all to follow me. Jesus is very clear with this. Like, whoa, whoa. Here's the thing, like, my kids, they're not my kids. They're Jesus's. I'm just a steward. He's put these children underneath my care, and ultimately they are going back to him. And so, Jesus, they're yours first. They're yours first. Help me to be faithful with it. But at the end of the day, they're yours. This church is yours. My marriage is yours. My friendships, my relationship, it's yours. Just to steward it. And I've also realized this. There, there could be the worry. There could be the fear, the control issues. But when we devalue things, instead of living with great joy, what happens is we complain about the price. Now, we all do that today with inflation, right? And we all complain about the price of everything. But Jesus is very, very clear. Listen, in order to follow me, you've got to sell everything to buy this field. It's going to cost you everything, all the pearls you have to get this pearl of great price. You found it in this treasure. And here's the thing. This field is expensive. This field that Jesus is talking about, this field is beachfront, front row property, y'all. This is expensive property. And here's the thing about this field. This field gets storms like nobody else. This, this, you want this beachfront property, it comes with some hurricane warnings. It, your insurance is going to be real expensive. And Jesus is very clear. When you sell everything and you follow me, there is going to be persecution. There are going to be people that say all manners of evil against you. It is not a cheap thing to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, it costs the blood of his son, plus the blood of Jesus, to be able to come and to follow him and to, to live into this thing. And we have, here's, here's a great litmus test of saying how we value things. If we begin to believe that these present sufferings are even worthy to be compared to the glory which is to come, then we've missed it. And that's what, the Apostle Paul says, listen, when I survey this life and I look at all of the things that I'm going through, and yeah, there, there's heartache and there's pain and there's hurt, but when I, when I look at what God's done for me and I consider all of these presence and sufferings as nothing to be compared to what I have found in Christ Jesus. I had nothing compared to what, because he is the pearl of great price. He is this treasure that I found, and his grace and his mercy abounds on my life. And so, yeah, I've just gotten beaten with rods. I've just been shipwrecked and left for dead. But it's not even worthy to be compared to what I found in him. It's worth everything and then some. And it's this treasure, and it's hidden, and we are to search. It's a journey. It's the kingdom of God. And you've got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And as we do, more understanding is given to us. It creates a readiness in our hearts in which we're drawn closer. And that's why you keep looking, you keep listening, and it's been 40 years of following Jesus, 50 years of following Jesus. And yeah, yeah, there's this progress of like, I don't understand it all to, I think I know, you know I know, maybe you know I know that you think we know, but uh, now I get it, I get it. Ah, it's kind of like marriage too. And you get married. You have no clue, no idea. And then somewhere around year 50 of being married, you think you understand that woman, to which you only think you know that you know that she knows that you know that they know. And then somewhere, like a week before you pass away, yes, I get her now, I get it. This is progress, this is the kingdom, it's an oak tree, it's growing. 
and who has eyes to see and ears to hear, more understanding will be given. More understanding will be given. Last thing about a gift, perceiving its value. The other thing is about this, the very nature of a gift entails ownership. I can't give you what I don't have. So if it's mine to give, it implies I am the giver of this gift. I can't give you someone else's car. But the very nature of this gift of God saying bread, broken, blessed, given, I know it's mine to give. Your life is his to give, however he deems fit. He's wrote his name on your bat. And that's why it's so valuable. That's why it's not just another Sunday. That's why it's not just another Monday. Because he's written your name, his name on your heart. No, no, no. My life belongs to Jesus. Stand with me to your feet. Your life is no longer your own. You belong to him. He is free to give however he seems fit. You have been chosen. You have been blessed. You've been broken, and he chooses to give you. You're, you're his to give. Last week, I gave the illustration of a horse and it, the process of it being broken. The thing is, for those of us that know a little bit about horses, what we've seen is we've seen horses and the process of breaking that goes as they submit their will to that of the masters. And then we see the horses inside the corral. And those horses do lap after lap after lap. And, and then sometimes they set up these little sticks and the horse jumps over the stick. And then sometimes the horse walks backwards and everybody claps. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the kind of breaking that Jesus has for you. See, this breaking that God has, again, it's a fixing. And that fixing isn't to keep you in the corral. See, like this is the corral. This is the place where we come and we get encouraged and we get prepared. And just like that horse, we get some good hay, we get some good rest, we get some so sleep. No, no, no. But the journey is outside of the corral. I've taken you and I've formed you and I've broken you and now I'm giving you. And, and, and it's not so you can just jump over little sticks and everybody can climb. Oh, look at what, how good he is. No, no, he's preparing you for battle. It's more like a war horse. And no, no, I'm breaking you because I'm getting ready to use you in this world. I'm getting ready to use you in this life because you're mine to give. It's a great adventure and it's worth selling all for him, for his purpose and his glory that he may look down from heaven and see his reflection being reflected back to himself from us. Because now we begin to look like Jesus and talk like Jesus and walk like Jesus and our hearts begin to burn within us and 20 years of following Jesus and 30 years of following Jesus and 40 years of John Jesus and I'm more passionate now than I ever was to have that testimony, to have that life that yeah, there's troubles and there's difficulties but I have found something of great price and it's worth every penny. It's worth every penny. Like a mother that's gone through the pains of childbirth. Ah, but the second that baby's born, she forgets all that because it's worth it. This new thing, this new life. And here's the thing. Let me remind you, church, you are the bait. 
You're the bait that God uses. He throws us out into an ocean that he's changing and molding to look more like himself. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid, I'd go fishing in these little ponds, and the best, the best bait was a loaf of Wonder Bread. You'd get that, you'd get that bread, you'd wad it up, you'd put it on that hook, and fish love some Wonder Bread. They didn't, you know, you, you just did it. And they took the bread, and they blessed it, and they broke it, and he gave it to our lives to be attractional to the world. That there's just something about that man, there's something about that woman, there's something about that life, there's something about that marriage, there's something about the way they do the things they do that it draws people to Jesus. Let's pray. And by this, everyone will know that they are my disciples if you love one another. Lord, help us to love. Our lives are not our own. They belong to you. And you could give however you seem fit. You are our treasure. And we are in process. There are things that we don't understand, ah, that we're learning. Ah, that we will one day fully know you this, the kingdom of God. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, and child. For those of us that have been struggling to find our purpose. For those of us that, Lord, we just need you to pour out in a new and special way. We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Our life is yours. Help us to be faithful. Reveal to us that which has been here all if you're in the house today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you just surrender it all to God. Sell everything and follow Jesus. If that's you and you're in the room and you want to give your life to him, I ask you to just put your hand real high in the air where I could lead you in a prayer of just surrender to Jesus. Is there anybody? If that's you, just real high, lead it up there so I can see it. Is there anybody in the house this morning? All right, Lord, I want to believe that everyone knows you. If not, Lord, continue to draw them to yourself. Continue to draw them to yourself. Continue to draw every one of us. May our hearts burn within us. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.